Today's anecdotal experience is sponsored by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Are you the hiring manager of a business? Probably not. This ad will fall upon deaf ears. So tragic. At least the dote got paid. Here at the dote, we get sours. Anecdotal Experience Podcast. Man, I hit that anecdotal really hard. Coming on hot on the microphones. Today's guest, Phil Herbrook. Phil's been on the podcast before. I think about his first episode all the time. Um, Talking about sometimes you got to crash the car. Uh, And usually it's like a relationship. You got to like do something to crash the car to make sure you don't get back into the car. Car's the relationship. Phil is the driver. Uh, Man, that's a good episode. Aren't you intrigued? What a teaser. Today we're talking about kind of like growing up as an adult, things that shape you, things that change your perspective, um, and make you more resilient in life is kind of the general theme. It's really good. It's uh it's like a growing, a coming of age, if you will. Growing up, being an adult, all that stuff, not having a home and developing independence. Yeah, all this stuff. It's, um, this was a lot of fun. I had a blast. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love Phil. Go back and listen to that first episode. Jeez, that was a good episode. People talk about it all the time. Not all the time. Thanks for being here. Let's listen to Phil Herbrook. I think I was going to do the the one about the summer after my sophomore year of college. That's like the time in my life that I consider like when th- that was the transitional summer from becoming like a kid to being an adult. Okay. Interesting. Um, all right. So this was between years at Indiana Wesleyan University um, Christian College, right? Yep. Okay, yeah. Yeah, this would have been the summer of, like, 2010, I think. I'm doing my math right. Um, yeah, the first summer after college, I had done, like, this this camp thing through the school where I was a camp counselor and, like, encouraged other kids to go to Indiana Wesleyan when they were in high school or when they were ready for college. Um, so that summer, I still kind of thought of, like, Warsaw, Indiana as my home and college was just this like thing that I was away doing. Um, and then after, so after my sophomore year then, uh, was the year that I studied abroad in Israel. And, um, that was towards my biblical literature degree. But, um, one of the main reasons that I had done this was that there was, uh, this girl that I was really interested in who also wanted to do this. And like, we ended up taking the major and this trip together. Um, okay. And like, was that like a subconscious decision that you were just really into this girl or was it like, no, I'm like fully aware in my head that I'm doing this for the one reason and it's the wrong reason. (laughs) Um, I, man, in hindsight, it's one of those things, in hindsight, it was so clearly a huge motivator for the decision. Right. Um, at the time, I think it was, 
it was it was a both and. Okay. Um, but yeah, so a little bit of backstory there. Um, this is a girl you and I both went to to high school with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go ahead and mention her name. It was it was Keely, and so like in high school, I like had a crush on this girl and did what like every Midwest beta male thinks is going to be a, a, a great plan for getting the girl. I was like, I'll be friends with her and then she'll fall in love with me. Yeah. Um, which it, it never works. Right. But I had convinced myself that this was the best strategy. And in high school, we were really good friends. Um, and I told her at one point, I think it was senior year of high school, like, Hey, I'm really into you. And like, I would like to date you. And she was not interested. She was very nice about it, but like, yeah, not interested in dating me. Okay. this was um, in, So in high school, she'd kind of turn you down, but you were still friends in college and you're still interested in college. Yes. Right. And I, to the point where by the time we got to college, she was my best friend. Okay. Um, but, but, but like I still wanted to date her and she was still just like, nah, sorry. Um, but we had all this stuff in common and I was just like convinced that if I waited this out long enough, the things would turn around. Yeah. Again, like they never a, do. But yeah, like, yep. So, um, yeah, we ended up taking, we, we had both talked about wanting to travel internationally and this, we found out about this degree that the college offered where you could get half of a biblical literature degree in like a month and a half on this uh, trip to Israel, Palestine. And the cost was essentially the same as if you had gotten just like the credits at school. Right. So it was a really cool opportunity. It was a small degree. So there were only going to be a couple classes that we would have to take uh, outside of this trip. Um, and it really was like a cool opportunity to go to Israel, Palestine. So, um, but I, but of course I also like had ulterior motives and wanted things to like work out for us on this trip. Right. Yeah. 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 Of course. So we, we get there and we had taken like some prep classes with all the same people that were going. So we all kind of knew each other, but like I, I was still going into this with the idea that, Oh, like my best friend Keely is going to be on this trip with me and we're going to like do this trip together. Okay. And like right into the trip, other people are making comments about like, dude, are you guys dating? You should be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, as a religious little boy at the time and, you know, just as a human being, I like hearing these things. And I took this as like this sign that like, Oh no, this is going to work out. My plans are going perfectly. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. It, all this really unhelpful, positive feedback. Right. Um, no, we've all dude. That's like, every, you think like, well, if other people see it, then she'll see it. Yeah. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, that's not how people work. They're you're, like, you're either into someone or you're not. Right. And, like, you can't really change that. Yeah. Um, but so it was, it was good for me. She was getting really frustrated with it though. And oh. so all of a sudden partway through the trip, she starts like 
actively avoiding me. And, and I didn't know what was going on. Um, and so all of a sudden I'm in this like amazing, uh, like place in the world studying all of this super cool stuff that like is like some of the most interesting stuff I've ever studied. I'm, I'm in Israel, but this is the thing that's occupying my brain now. Yeah. It can be very like all encompassing. Yeah. And it doesn't help the fact that like, I'm not getting any sleep. We're like hiking around and, you know, hundred plus degree weather outside every day. So I was just like, not a super stable person anyway. Um, and then partway through the trip, we, I would say it was maybe at the halfway point. Um, she was finally like, okay, yeah, like we need to talk about this. And she told me like, look, we've been doing this thing for like years. You are clearly like not getting over me. And we're like, you're one of my best friends too, but this is clearly not good for you. And it's also getting to the point where it's not good for me because everyone's assuming that we're together. I'm constantly getting hounded and made to feel bad for not wanting to date you and stuff. So it was, it was like affecting her negatively too. Um, but partway through the trip, she was just like, yeah, we need to stop being friends. Yeah. Um, which was like devastating. And, um, it wasn't just a, Hey, here on the trip, we need to kind of go our separate ways sort of thing. It was like, no, you and me need to plan on not hanging out anymore so that we can go our separate ways. Yeah. Um, no. And that's like, that's funny. Cause like, she's right. Like I've been in similar. Oh, oh mean, yeah. Everyone. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah. That's exactly what needs to happen. Um, and yeah, so that happened in the middle of this trip and I was just like miserable the rest of the trip in Israel. Like, yeah. It, it's this weird thing I tell people about, oh, this, this awesome trip that I did, I got to study abroad, blah, blah, blah. And that is like the cloud that hangs over. Yeah. The, like the, the, the experience. Um, so that happened really painful. Um, it was, I mean, it, it wasn't a breakup, but it felt like, it felt very much like a breakup. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. And, and to boot, like she was, like I said, she was my best friend at the right. time. So, um, that happened right at the beginning of summer. Um, so once I get back, uh, to Indiana, um, I had started working at, um, Maple Leaf, which is this company that, uh, actually ended up hiring me after college. It was my first job. So, um, that ended up being a good thing. I, you know, was working a real adult job that wasn't associated with the college or anything like that. Um, and then, um, the second big thing that happened that same summer is my parents moved out of the house that I had grown up in, um, from like sixth grade through high school. Um, which at the time, I don't think I realized was a big deal, but like I mentioned earlier, up until this time, I had viewed college as just like this thing that I did for a couple months. And then I came back home, um, And so once my parents moved out of that house, it was sort of this weird limbo of like, oh, I don't really feel like I have a home anymore. Um, 
also have realized, like, as I'm growing up that I have, like, sort of like you and I were talking about earlier, like, I need my space. And, like, I feel safe when I'm in, like, my space that I know. Um, yeah. So it was weirdly affecting, like, not not having that, that place anymore. Yeah, it's a place, it's like, it sounds really stupid, but it's like a place to call home. Home is like a place where you're comfortable. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that happens this summer. Um, and during the transition there, um, I actually ended up living, this is when I lived with, with Aaron for a little bit, uh, who was also on the podcast. Um, so that, that was really good because it was this, this time when I wasn't at college and didn't have school stuff, I was living in my own space. I was, you know, working a nine to five job. Um, and that was when I first started feeling like I had like responsibility over my own life. Yeah. Um, I wasn't just, you know, going to college cause that's what you do after high school and, um, you know, going home and living with my parents. Like I had this, this kind of trajectory that was my own. Right. Um, and then at the end of that summer, um, the third thing that happened was, uh, my cousin who was, uh, 27, uh, died of cancer. And that was like the most easily the most like significant in a bad way, um, thing that has happened to my family. Um, Candace was like the oldest grandchild on my mom's side. Um, she had been kind of this like leader in the family. She was going to be a missionary, just like the best person, like one of the best people I have ever known. Mm -hmm. Um, and she had been, you know, battling with cancer for a couple years, but, um, yeah, her death still felt really unexpected. Um, and just seeing my family, as hard as it was for me to lose her, it was even harder for me to watch like my aunt and uncle and her sister have to process it. Um, and yeah, so there was this like, these three really significant things that happened all in one summer. It's right in the middle of college. And um, at the end of the, the summer, I was like, I don't want to go back to school. Mm. Um, like I, I knew that I wanted to finish my degree, but like, I didn't want to like part of it, to be honest was I, I didn't want to be on campus with, you know, Keely and have to potentially run into her and, um, you know, not be friends with her. Yeah. Um, what was the other part? Which, um, there were some other things going on in like the theater department which is, which was my primary degree. Um, and I wasn't quite sure how some like staffing things were going to shake out. Mm -hmm. Um, one of our professors who had been there since I started, um, had students complain about like his teaching style and stuff. And so he ended up getting fired and I wanted to see how the department was going to like come out of that. Okay. Did your, did like your new found, I don't know, kind of independence affect the way you felt about going back to like, cause you were going back to the environment of like a bubble Christian college living on campus sort of thing. 
did that yeah you know like kind of like incubator like environment where you kind of like nom like a grown man was there any of that no i that's that's really interesting that you bring that up because i don't know that i actually realized Mm. that this like transition had happened at the time um I, and I also, I don't think that it, like the effects of that summer really sunk in until a year or so later when I was able to look back on it with a little bit of clarity. Um, I think if anything, it just like added to that sense of responsibility because um, what I ended up doing during that semester, I talked to Maple Leaf and was like, hey, can I keep doing this work I've been doing as an intern um, if I decide that I want to stick around for another six months. Um, and they were, they were fine with that. They're like, yeah, we have work for you to do. So, um, that, that was now the first time in my life when I was doing work for 40 hours a week as my primary thing. Right. Um, so yeah, all of this stuff happened at once and like looking back, it taught me like it, it was super painful but it taught me like some lessons that I feel like have kind of really majorly affected my personality. Um, like up until that point, I lived like a really like cush Midwest privileged life. Right. Yeah. And I had this thing that I was like, Oh no, if I have that, if I have this relationship that will make me like happy and fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have like, said it that way but if I'm honest that's what I thought Mm -hmm. and I didn't get it and initially that was devastating but once I got on the other side of it 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 gave me this perspective of like oh like I'll be okay eventually even if I don't get the thing that I think I most need like I'm a strong person and like I'll get on the other side of this with time and so I don't, and I don't think I had ever had that type of perspective before. Um, and then with, uh, with Candace dying, there was, maybe this is going to sound nihilistic, but like it, it sort of gave me this perspective that like bad things happen and it sucks, but that's, that's just what happens in life. Like bad things are going to happen and I have to figure out how to be okay and how to get through, um, when those hard things happen. Yeah, that's, yeah. I want to talk about that a little bit. That is interesting. Cause you get, especially if you really haven't experienced a real, like anything real tragic in your life, you think like, well, this is where life kind of ends, you know, like, but, and then a year later, like life is going on and you're, you know, it's not that you don't care, but it's like you're forced, you realize like, oh, this, like people dying is a part of life and there are yeah. chapters after tragedy, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's it, chapters after tragedy is a really like good way to phrase that. Um, and yeah, like even I remember like the day that I got the news, um, you know, I went and was with family and stuff. And the next day, like I had to make the decision, am I going to still go into work or not? Like it was a weekday. Yeah. Maple Leaf was still up and running. Um, 
you know, and they were, they were gracious and gave me a day off to like to grieve and everything. But, um, like the world was kind of indifferent to it. Right. Like yep. it was a big thing to my family, but, but only to my family. Um, yeah. That's yeah. I don't know. And, and again, I said, it, it almost feels bad saying that like the first time I had to deal with this stuff is when I was what, 20 years old. Like so many people have to deal with much harder things, much younger in life. Oh, but, dude, um, yeah, what, dude, just because you haven't had the most tragic existence ever doesn't mean you can't talk about something you've experienced. So, <laughs> yeah, good You're point. Fine. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, even with like lately, both of my um, my grandpas died within a month of each other, mm -hmm. and that's been weird because I, you know, was was away from. Um, like my family and especially with my second grandpa, he's all the way out in Ohio and I don't, I didn't have quick access to get to them and stuff. Um, so I just had my couple days off of work to go have the funeral and deal with it. And then I had to hop back on the horse and, you know, figure out how to keep, keep doing life. Yeah. That's really what it, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what the grieving process is supposed to look like. Like, if you're supposed to sulk and, like... But, I don't know. With anything, like you said, nobody really... No one else really gives a shit, right? It's yeah. like, dude, they're just... Like, they... Like, you may be consumed by, like, the loss of a loved one, but, like, the person sitting next to you at work is not... It hasn't crossed their mind all day, you know? Yeah. Oh, totally. Dude, like my mom brought this up one time. I got lost in a Sam's Club when I was younger. Um, or I got, I was playing hide and seek with my brother. And oh, they, interesting. Yeah. So they couldn't find me in the Sam's Club. So they're like saying my name over the loudspeaker, over the, you know, intercom or whatever. And I'm, I don't think I heard it. I was like hiding in some tires. But my mom, <laughs> my mom's obviously like, this is like the most, probably the most traumatic experience she's ever had is thinking someone kidnapped her son. And uh, sure. she just, like, one thing she, like, distinctly remembers is, like, people, like, my mom's losing her mind, and, like, there were a lot of people trying to help, but there were people just, like, browsing. Just, you know, like, just checking out books and, like, T-shirts and stuff while my mom is melting down, you know? But yeah. it's not like, it's not their, they don't need to help. That's not their life. That's not, you know, their life goes on. Like, I could have gotten kidnapped and they would just be like, oh, that's unfortunate for them, but they can't, <laughs> you know, like life moves on, man. It's your tragedy and it's, you can't, it happens to everyone. It's kind of pedestrian. Right. Yeah. And there's a, like, a certain, again, this is going to sound maybe kind of morbid, but like there's a certain sense in which, like we're all ultimately alone. Yeah. And even if we have, you know, loved ones and stuff, and I, I feel like I do, I have, a, you know, family and friends that love me. I don't doubt that. But at the end of the day, like I can never get outside of my own experience. Yeah. And just having to like accept that has been really freeing. Like I don't have to fight to try and fill that like lonely void because no, it's not going to get filled and that's okay. Right. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Um, it is, there's a lot of things like that where it's like, yeah, and that's fine. We have this expectation of like, no, it shouldn't be like this. But if you take it and you're like, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's not, there's nothing wrong with me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And even like to like back to the point of like people dying, um, like everyone has to obviously like grieve in the way that is best for them. But it's been interesting going to these couple of funerals lately for a lot of people, they get a lot of solace out of like, Oh, like I'm going to see, you know, grandpa again. Um, he's in a better place. And like, for me, I'm like, well, maybe, I don't know what happens after we die. Um, it's actually much more helpful for me to just like rest in the idea that he is gone. And like that's sad, but I need to like fully like digest that idea before I can like go on and do other things. For for me, it's not helpful to think about like, oh, I might get to see him eventually. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it does. I think about that too, because I'm kind of in a similar um, mindset as you because I don't really believe in like, when I was younger, I believed in like, oh, grandpa died, but we'll see him in heaven. Now that, like, I can't even say that with a, like, really believing it. It's just kind of like, well, how do you know that? Like, it's, so I, I've been able to do that too, where I'm just like, hey, you know what? I don't know. Like, he's gone from here now. Uh, I was glad mm-hmm. I got to be around him as long as I did. But like, yeah, that sense of closure where it's like, who knows where he went, but that was cool while he was here, you know? Yeah not holding on to that like well one day we'll be in heaven like i don't know because in my head i'm like i i would doubt that right yeah like if that happens awesome like that yeah <laughs> that's that's great and i hope that's the case but um I'd yeah it does, for me it was, it was. Healthy to hold. <laughs> do you know what Sorry, I mean? if i was yeah if okay I think you understand what I'm saying, but I would, if it was the case, if we all got to heaven and it was all happy and joyful and like streets of gold and we're all hanging out, I'd be like, this is weird. This is not what I expected. I could have swore that like, this was not going to be how it was, but here it is. It's just like they, I was told in Sunday school, you know, I'd be very surprised anyway. (laughs) Yeah. No, same. (laughs) It's hard to believe, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, because the, I don't know, the thing that has sort of become one of my major points of contention with um, religion, at least like the the flavor of Christianity that we grew up with, is this sense of like certainty. And like, particularly with this instance, it's like, no, every single person has died and we've never seen them again. Like, yeah, no one has died and come back to tell about it. Like the couple people who have written books about that, it's always found out a couple years later that they were lying. I know. Yeah. Yeah. No one has, has died and come back from the other side and knows what it's like. So like you cannot be certain of what's going to happen. It's like the one thing that we can't, study scientifically we have uh, like all we know is that like a brain stops functioning and then like the body rots so 
I would much rather figure out how, how I can deal with that weird fact than, you know, imagine and hope for, for what's going to happen to my soul or whatever afterwards. Dude, I, that's how I feel. I think it's like, it's, I, when people say they like have some understanding of the afterlife and like what goes on and like it, it, to me, I just feel like that's so it's like arrogant. It's like, dude, like you don't know, like nobody knows. No one's come back. (laughs) Like it's just, it just bothers me because it's like anyone that talks as if they have some sort of authority or what happens when you like after you die i'm like you're full you know you're full of shit you don't know you know yeah and, okay what about this i feel like it kind of discredits like the time you had with a person because rather than mm, be yeah. like okay yeah i'm so grateful for having that person and the experience i had and like the impact they had on me in my own life um it's just kind of like discredits it because it's just it's like oh well there'll be i'll see him later i'll see you you know rather than be grateful for like the time you had with him yeah yeah that's again i like i I understand that for some people that's like genuinely helpful but it is not for me i yeah i would much rather remember that like finite time that we had together than spend time thinking about like what are we going to do when we see each other um, yeah. or something like that? And kind of, I mean, even the whole idea in general that like, oh, well, like eternity is forever. And like this time on earth doesn't really like, oh, it's just a, a super short. Like I remember when you and I went to youth conference, there was this like speaker who had a massive rope and he painted like the very end of it red. And he's like, this is our life on earth. And like the rest of this rope is what heaven's going to be like. And I'm like, yeah, but that sort of, that, that defeats the like importance of like being a good person now and being responsible in this life. Right. Oh dude. I think it defeats the purpose of our existence. Yeah. Cause you're just like, Oh, this little blip. And then you're just like, dude, then who cares what anyone does if it's just like, do you know what I'm saying? It just doesn't make any sense to me because you're just like, well, then what are we all doing here? Like, I don't want to be sitting, listening to this guy talk if it doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 No, I know. It's, it's a, <laughs> yeah. It's this weird, like backwards thing where it's like, I think that you're like this, this message that you have, I think is doing more harm than, than good. Yeah, I, I do. I feel like that. Like when people get into that sort of messaging, like I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in Christianity, like, you know, Christ-like behavior and stuff. But when people are trying to say, like, focus on these points of like, man, what's heaven like? I'm just like, Hey, maybe like this isn't the best thing to glean from the Bible. Yes. I don't know, but yeah, especially since there's like, maybe this is my news that we don't want to get into, but like, there's so little in the Bible about it. Yeah. And I mean, people have written these like massive books about like what you can expect when, when you show up to heaven. Right. And again, it's like, nah, you don't know. Like (laughs) you shouldn't be writing a pamphlet about this much less like, a 60 page book. Yeah. It's, you don't, 
Nobody. It's just like there is no factual information. There is literally none. Like zero. So don't speak with any authority. I don't know. Yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> what uh <laughs> like um okay, I wanna go I wanna go back to uh what uh what the other effects were um of that summer on you and like your maturity and how it affected your life. Um Sure. I mean not even necessarily spiritually or just socially or, you know, your viewpoint. And did you feel better, I guess, too, you know? Yeah, no, I mean ultimately I felt a lot better. I like I feel like I weirdly gained a lot of confidence. Um, mm-hmm. knowing that like, Oh, I can go through this bad stuff and I'm going to be okay. Um, and yeah, that, that it made me less like timid. Um, I've always been someone who is more like afraid to take chances than afraid to miss opportunities. Um, you know, some people have a ton of regrets because they've done, do stuff without thinking. I tend to have regrets because I didn't try to do the thing. Like, Oh, I wish I had taken that, that chance. Mm -hmm. And that summer kind of, um, like opened up my eyes to the fact that, you know, again, life is fleeting. It kind of, so back briefly to the, the situation with Keely, I realized like, oh, there were all of these opportunities my first two years of college with like dating that I was missing out on because I was, you know, investing time in this relationship that wasn't going to go anywhere. Um, and it helped, and it kind of gave me this perspective of like, okay, going forward, I need to look out for opportunities as they're coming to me. Um, rather than like holding on to, oh, well, something better could you know, happen down the line. Like I need to, um, yeah, take opportunities as they come to me. And if something goes wrong, that's all right. Like I'll recover from it. Yep. Yeah. You kind of like trust your own resilience, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. That's kind of, I've, uh, I've, I've had very similar experiences too, where I've, um, yeah, I'm not afraid of a lot of things because there is a part of me that has more self-confidence to say, like, you know what? You've been in very shitty situations before and you know what? You made it out like they didn't consume you. So just I think even just going through like going through stuff is helpful because you realize that you do. It's just like you just kind of come out the other side. Right. Yeah. The ball keeps rolling. Then, yeah. And in, in the future, like there are going to be other bad things that happen and it makes it easier to kind of grit your teeth and bear it when you know that like, oh, the world is going to come to the end because this thing isn't going how I planned it. Um, the other thing that, that happened, I have always been a fairly independent person, um, even, even prior to that summer, but being kind of forced a on the trip in Israel. And then in this, this feeling of like being without a home, Mm -hmm. I feel like that really solidified my independence in the sense of, I, I, I've gotten to where I don't like 
asking people for help unless I've tried to do it myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sometimes, sometimes that's, you know, maybe not a good thing and I need to be more willing to ask people for assistance. But, um, like I really value and am proud of my independence and the fact that I am not afraid to do things and figure them out on my own. Yeah, no, I know. I know what you're saying. It is, that is a, it's like a liberating feeling when you're just, you realize like, Oh, I'm my own man. Like I'm, it sounds really stupid, but you're, it's, it's, you're an adult. It's like, nobody has any control over me. Sure. Like, like this is really hard and I'm poor as shit, but I'm, I'm making like, nobody has any influence in what I do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So what has like, so now like, what's kind of like your outlook on life in, in general? I mean, it sounds really dumb and vague, but, um, you know, obviously like your relationship with religion and, you know, the afterlife are different and you're, and you've seen some, you've seen death and what's your, what are your thoughts on life now? Like, I, I don't, I mean, it sounds kind of stupid. I mean, I can tell you mine, but like, what are your, what are your observations that like, what do you, what are you trying to get in this life? Like, what do you want to achieve? Like in terms of like contentment or happiness, not like, Oh, I want to, you know, a literal goal, but what do you think it's about here? Sure. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say that I am agnostic. Um, I think that there is probably not like a God in an afterlife. Um, but I'm still really interested in religion. And like I said before, I kind of, I kind of hope that it is true and maybe something will happen that will, um, like push me over the edge and will make me believe in that again. Um, but for the time being, I don't. So in light of that, my kind of like, I guess, worldview, if you want to call it that, um, is I think that the world is just sort of a like chaotic place. Um, and there's not a lot of like rhyme or reason to why things happen. Um, which, which leads to like some really bad things. Um, and there's like a lot of potential for pain. But because of that, there's also a lot of potential for really good things. Um, like since kind of accepting that, I've really come to value like intentionality and like friendships and like seeing how important it is for me to go out of my way um, to be kind to other people. Um, and not just like nice, but like genuinely going out of my way to do things to help people because like, I don't know, life can be kind of hard and shitty. And, um, like the important moments for me are when like people have reached out to me in a special way. Yeah. That's when you see the glimpses of like, whatever we're all supposed to be doing here. Yes. Yeah, Totally that's the, the closest that I have to like religious experiences are like moments of closeness with other people. Yeah, dude, that's man. I wish I had like a different thing to say on that, but that's same thing here. I'll have moments like that where I'm like, Oh, this is like, this is, 
this is the meaning of life. I don't know what, I mean, I feel like I'm most of my life, even like doing this podcast, dude, it's all like just kind of bullshit, you know, going to work, doing whatever thing, stupid thing I want to do. Just like, what do we do? But then you have those moments where someone does something for you. Like you're just, I don't know. I like, it makes me like want to cry. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's, yeah, that's something that you can't, I feel like as, as kids, people are constantly doing things for you and you don't really value it. And now that you're an adult and you realize like, oh, we have all of these like commitments and things calling on our time and energy. Um, it really means something when someone decides to like sacrifice some of that time and energy for you. Yeah, man. Isn't that it? Isn't it like, I'm trying to think of something I've encountered recently where it's, that's what it is. It's like, dude, I know this is inconvenient for you. I know this isn't the first thing you want to be doing right now. So thanks. You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's just like selflessness. It's like human connection of like, this person is feeling my pain and trying to make it better because they're feeling the pain too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything? Do you have any like literal experiences that you can think of? Um, yes, I had one not too long ago, actually. So I, after my like second uh, grandpa had died, I had an audition, um, up in Rogers park near uh, my friends, uh, Grace and Ian. Um, they're a married couple who live like a couple blocks from where this theater was. And so I just, I had texted them. I was like, Hey, do you guys want to hang out after this audition? And initially they were like, we just got done with this trip. We're super tired. Um, and we've, you know, we've both got to work early tomorrow. So it's just not going to work out tonight, which I totally get like, and I know you do too. Like we're both introverts that, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like after that, they saw on, I think it was on Facebook or something. Um, that my grand, my grandpa had died. And they were like, hey, like, ignore what we said before. Like, we want to see you and hang out with you tonight. Um, and I know that they are people who value their time a lot. Yeah. Um, and so even though, like, we're close friends and stuff, it still meant a lot to me knowing that, like, they're really tired. Ian was getting sick. Uh, but they were both like, no, we care about you and what you're going through enough to just go out and hang with you for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's what it is. It's just, it's, uh, cause they recognize like, sure, dude, they're probably super like, whatever. I just want to like veg and not have to talk or, you know, be a good hang. Yeah. But when they see that, they're like, Oh, Hey, like I want to hang out with you now. Like, yeah. Cause I know it's not even like I feel obligated. It's or like, I should do this. It's just like, no, get your ass over here and like, hang. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was this weird, it, like seemingly small thing. It's like, we were just grabbing beer at this place that we've been to a dozen times, but it, yeah, I, I, I knew what they were sacrificing to come out just to, to hang out with their friends. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. That's awesome. What is, I, I'm curious in doing this, this podcast where you're hearing like a ton of different people's stories, like have you had any moments like that, like specifically during the podcast? 
are moments where you feel like you've like really connected with people or yeah, I don't know, been able to like give them a place to process that maybe they hadn't before? Um, I think I would, I mean, I'm trying to think not, I mean, like talking with people, not really like not, not that sense of like, um, sorry, what's the word? Just like graciousness or that kind of someone sacrificing. Cause it is just kind of a conversation, but no, not, not really. Cause I, I, for me, that stuff doesn't really come out in, um, like, just conversation. It would be some sort of act. Like, someone like, you know, your friends hitting you up and saying, please come over, we want to, you know. So, gotcha. no, not really. But that's, again, like, I've had, like, a lot of, um, I guess, epiphanies and stuff and stuff that meant something to me. But, no, I've never, I don't, not that comes to mind, so. Okay, yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, but I've, dude, I mean, even as simple as like, there's certain things, okay, I have two examples, um, very brief, like our friend Brandon Stewart, one thing I'll always yeah. think about him, I, I used to ref soccer, and like, he played in the league that I was refing. so sometimes he would be there, and my car, my car like the battery and this like piece of shit car it just always was fucking up okay so i i think i my battery had died so brandon's there and brandon's like helping me i think it was cold out too brandon's like helping me and like being very cool about it i was like very much like dude you don't have to do this i'm just let me deal with my own like idiot like idiocy and like you don't have to take my burden for me, you know? Yeah. And he was like, you yeah, know, it's fine, man. Like, it's cool. Like not making a big deal. Like real, it's like cold as shit out. And he's like, no, it's like, cool. Like we're in this together. We're doing this. And then we finally get my car started and then I'm out of gas. I'm also out of gas. So I'm out of gas. And then he's like, and I'm like, dude, I'm out of gas. Like this is now you can leave. You can for sure leave. Like, it's not a big deal. I'll, like, call my dad or something. And he was just like, no, we're doing this. We're we're going to go get you gas. And, like, it was, I don't know. To me, like, it's something I will never forget. Because no, like, he, like, took on my burden. And not in a way where he's, like, he felt, like, socially obligated to. But. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, it's, like, one of those things I'm, like, dude, that was, that was awesome. Like, that was I don't know. So I'll always think about that. Just like him wanting to help me. And that's, I don't, I don't know, affected my life a lot. Well, it's interesting too, that you mentioned the fact that it's like, it's cold. Yeah. Because like, that's something that like you can feel and it's making you miserable too. So you're like, I know he's cold and uncomfortable too, but he's still not thinking anything of like helping me. That's yeah, that yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that was it. It was like, dude, like any like most people just left there like, okay, like that's a it's a me problem. I'm entirely responsible for it. I have nobody owes me anything, but you know, help me anyway, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point. The idea of people not owing us. Yeah. Like kindness, 
Um, cause I, I feel like we were sometimes brought up that like how we, how we should have looked at the situation was like, how dare all those other people have left you there. Right. But like you said, like, no, that was solely your problem to deal with. Yeah. And like, it wasn't bad on them that they wanted to get home to their furnaces and like watch the game or whatever. Right. Um, so it makes it like all the more like impressive and like meaningful that someone would help you. Yes. And I think that sense of gratitude and non entitlement has gotten me pretty far in life. Um, mm. So that, you know, even like me remembering that I think is important because I think I don't feel like anyone owes me anything, you know? Yeah. Like I don't want anything from anyone, but in that moment, I definitely could have used the help and he helped me. So I think, I don't know, dude, you got to live with gratitude, man. If you're not that, I, I always try to respect other people's, I think time most importantly is, um, I, you know, and if someone gives me some of that time or helps me with something, I'm always like, I try to, I try to just phrase it even like, express my gratitude in a way where I'm really understanding whatever sort of sacrifice or inconvenience they had to experience, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, no, I totally get that. Cause I'm, I'm the exact same way. I was just talking with my roommate not too long ago about how like time is the thing that I value most. Yep. And is so, like sometimes to the point where I like hoard it and I'll end up like having sectioned off so much time that I'm like, Oh no, I'm bored. I should have actually right. like scheduled something. I was too afraid of, you know, wanting time and not having it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because of that, like it's more meaningful to yeah, people like us when I sacrifice that. What about this too? I think on the other end of that spectrum, like I'm also very, very annoyed when people disrespect my time. Oh yes. Yep. So it's like two sides of the coin. There are people you can be late for and they're like, oh, I don't care. Like, whatever. I don't respect my own time and I don't respect others. So they're not affected by it. But for me, it's like, dude, I respect my time so much. And then I project that respect of time onto other people. So if I'm four mm -hmm. or five minutes late somewhere, I'm just I'm hating myself because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm just like, dude, I'm the asshole. I'm just like. I'm just disrespecting other people. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's something that I, I feel like in the past year or so, I have realized a lot, like, even in a weird way, like, um, with the acting thing, I, um, I've been to a couple auditions where, like, they'll just have you sit around and wait for like an hour. Yeah. Um, and it's like, look, I understand that like ultimately you have the thing that I want. Like you, you have a part that I want you to give to me. Yeah. But the fact that you told me to get here at six thirty, and now it's seven thirty, and like you keep just, Oh yeah, whatever. It'll just be a couple, like a few more minutes. Like, no, it won't be a few more minutes. This is an hour that I could have spent doing something else. I don't want to work with you at this point. Yeah, but you still do, though. Um, it depends. I had one where, like, 
the, the, the process was so poorly run and I waited around for so long needlessly, like that by the time it actually came to it, I was like, if they offer me this part, I am not taking it. This is like, I don't want to work with like a group that's this mismanaged. Yeah. Okay. I, so yeah, that, I, I've I only gotten to that extreme one or two times. Yeah, but there, yeah, there's a point to be made. Like sometimes people just have leverage. They have enough leverage where you want something that they have where you're just like, you know what? You can disrespect my time. You have full reign to do that because, you know, I mean, it's um like Frontier, Frontier Airlines. Just it's a really bad airline. Like everyone knows it. But mm. if it's cheap enough, you buy Frontier and take your chances. Yeah. They have something oh, yeah, on I mean, a cheap flight, and you're like, oh, man, you guys are the worst. Like, you've wasted a day of mine, but here I go, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I just I just kind of had a conversation with this with my mom recently. Um, we had talked about maybe flying, I think it was Southwest, mm-hmm. that has had, like, someone just got sucked out of one of their planes not too long ago. Jeez. Like, someone died, and I was still like, well, their flight's cheaper than <laughs> fly Southwest. Yeah. You take your chances, man. It's, uh, yeah. So, I mean, there is there is something to be said for that. But in terms, I mean, taking it back to like even just like a friendship, dude. Like, if someone's, if someone doesn't respect my time and doesn't, or like doesn't respect my money, if they're always kind of like bumming and stuff. Because um, mm. time's money, man. Like, you wor- I work oh, all, sure. all the time. And uh, I work to get money. So if you just, if you like take my money or disrespect my finances, like you're disrespecting the time I spent acquiring them. So um, I, yeah, if I have friends that, you know, either always late or always, you know, needing something for me, it's, it's uh, like, I'll just cut it out. Be like, you know, that's not bringing me anything. Yeah. So, yeah, that's been, that's sort of an interesting thing that I feel like I didn't notice too much until I moved out of Indiana. Um, but like selectiveness with friendships as adults has been like, you no longer have the time to just hang out with whoever invites you to hang. Yep. And yeah, you really have to be selective. And I like, I've had a couple people where I'm like, I like hanging out with these people, but like, I don't have like the time and energy to invest fully here. So it's better for me to just spend time investing with like this other group of people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Especially like in big cities, like where we live, it's hard to get around. So if someone lives in a neighborhood that's like really far away, even if they're cool, it's still, it it just doesn't work. Yeah. And you feel kind of weird because you're like, yeah, oh, they, no, were, totally. they were nice, like they were cool, but just it, geographically, it's just like, I don't, I have other things going on. Yeah, absolutely. And if, yeah, it feels weird like, oh, we're in the same city, we should hang out all the time. Yeah. And, uh, no. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Because I think about that too, like, I I hang out with Joel Franklin quite a bit. Been on the podcast. Um, we don't live near each other, but 
We, I mean, I probably see him, I either see him every other weekend or maybe every weekend, you know? Um, and that's one of those things where it's like, well, yeah, I'm going to make time. It's not, I don't know. For him, it's like, oh, yeah, well, we'll make it happen. I want to see you and hang out. Right. It's not like, but like other people like that I'm not as comfortable with and I'm like scheduling time to like develop a friendship. For me, it's kind of like it's developing a friendship's work and then also like figuring out if you're compatible and you actually enjoy spending time with each other. It's like, I don't know. Like I've hung out with people for long periods of time, like in my life and then got to the end of the relationship and been like, oh, we weren't really like that compatible as friends. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we no, talk. Totally. I think that a lot of times happens. That happens a lot of times with like work friends. I feel like. Yes. Proximity friends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly, that's why I have part of the reason at least why I have such a hard time dating. Like, yeah, I don't know to invest time in, like an app or, well, I'm going to go out and spend my money at a bar and hope I meet someone. And then to like go on a date and hope it goes well, or at least hope it goes not terribly. And then so many times you get to like, for me, I would go on dates and I'd get to the end of the second date and just realize this isn't happening. Like, and then I look back and I'm like, oh man, I just spent like, like quantifiable time and money on trying to meet this person and I'm never going to see them again. Yeah, it's part of the game though. It is. And I, I've gotten to where I enjoy meeting new people more than I used to. Yeah. And so sometimes that's how I kind of have to look at it. But like. I don't know. I'll go months without going on a date just because I, yeah, the, the chance of like wasting my time scares me off. Yeah. Wasting your, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's it. It's like, it's a waste of, you don't know. Like I was talking about this with a work friend of mine, but we're, you know, you, you go on a, like he lives in the Valley. So he's kind of like far away from everything. What do you, you know, he, he was okay. talking about like the cost, like the price and then like the time and like for him to go on a date, he's like, dude, it's like, I really got it. Like, I think it's, he was talking about like dating apps and he was like, I really got to talk to someone for a while to be, be like, is this going to be a good mm-hmm. night? Like, is this going to be worth everything I'm going to put into it? And I was like, yeah, you really should. Cause it's like, I don't know. And I'm also like, I'm less afraid now to be like in on a date and be like, all right, well I got to go and, and bail, you know, if I'm not, if oh, I feel sure. like oh, this is a waste of time, I'm not going to be like, I'm like perfectly fine cutting it off. Yeah. Unless it's someone that I have like interacted with in the real world. I almost always try to schedule a first date for like coffee or early in the evening Dude. so that I have something that I have to get to later. Yeah. That's not a bad yeah man that's what like i it's funny because i'll see um like obviously there's some girls that are like no no coffee no drinks take me on a proper date and i'm sure there's dudes there's an equivalent of like dudes that do some sort of other bullshit but 
when I see that, I'm like, okay, like, all right, I get it. But like, dude, I'm not doing that. Like, it's so, cause like as a man, like a lot of times you end up paying for it. Like, um, yeah. So it's like, man, I'm not going to like, I don't even know you. I'm not going to like take you to dinner. Like, I'm not going to like, that's like a hundred bucks, dude. Like, it's not like, I'm not in love with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Time's money, man. No, I, I remember I went on a date with this girl and we had like tried forever to figure out a time that would work just with our schedules. And so we had a, a brunch date planned and she bailed on the brunch date because okay. she was hungover. All right. Disrespectful. And then, what's that? I said disrespectful. Yes. <laughs> and so I was upset about that, but like she seemed really cool and we had a lot in common and I was like, yeah, let's, let's go out. And so we went, we finally got together and she was like supposedly really tired from just getting back from a trip. Okay. And again, we had a lot in common when we were talking, but she was just kind of tired and checked out. Yeah. And I would, and, but she still like wanted to go on one more date. And I was like, all right, man, I guess. And we went to, have you seen the movie, the lobster? Yeah. Yeah. We went to see that, which is a terrible date movie. Yeah. But, for a lot like, of reasons. I loved it. Yeah. But it's, it's super cynical about like love and dating. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of the movie. And I really enjoyed it and like was laughing at parts that were like kind of morbidly funny and she was not having it. And we were hanging out afterwards and I was just like, Oh no, we're just not compatible. I should have realized this after she bailed on brunch. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You don't man. Like there's, um, you can, I mean, sometimes people give people second chances and they're, you know, forever grateful they did. But then sometimes you, you make the best decision you can in the moment. Yeah, that's, that's true. I, yeah, like I said, with, I, I tend to miss out on opportunities. Um, and I mean, ultimately it's better that I guess I went out and I had this experience and now I, I know more about like navigating that that dating thing than than it maybe did beforehand but anyway yeah it's okay to, dude i say this all the time i heard on on this american life one time it's okay to make mistakes but just don't make the same one twice you know yeah that's, that's good it is because it's like yeah now you know how to like smell someone that you're incompatible with you can be like no i know where this goes like i've i'm not doing this again <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. All right. I got to go to work, but, um, what do you want to, what's your like closing thought? What's your like, I'm Phil Herbrook and like, I'm going to throw this at you. People should take this with a grain of salt. Oh man. Um, yeah, I guess just like I've said it a couple times, but like bad stuff happens. Um, like hang in there, it'll be okay. And you'll probably learn something from the situation. 
That is really good. That's like really like good advice. It's very simple. It's very like just hang in there, you know, and write the lesson down. Yeah. And hopefully, like you said, hopefully you won't make the same mistake another time. Yep. All right. Well, cool, man. This has been uh, this has been dope. I gotta I talk more, but I gotta leave. So. Yeah. Have a good day at work, and uh, let's do it again sometime. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, we got the other one to do. So. I'll uh, yeah start start collecting thoughts for that one. Yeah, for sure, man. All right. Say say goodbye to everyone. Yeah. Bye, podcasters. All right. See you, man. Yep. Take care. Bye.